The key to long-term retention is changing the behavior of your clients. When we started the marketing and sales plan for Catalyst for 2018, we didn't start with Facebook ads. We didn't start with AdWords or SEO. We didn't even look at our website. What we said was, let's re-examine our processes. How do we take people in? What do we do in the first 90 days to keep people there? How are we teaching retention to our staff? And so today we're going to talk about how to change a client's behavior from sitting on the couch to coming to the gym, how to create motivation in that client, how to instill the ability to succeed at your gym, including rewards, including fear of missing out, including the community. And then finally, what triggers do we need to get a client to take that first action and then to get them to take the thousandth action to stick around for 10 years? Today, I'm going to be teaching uh, the BMAP model, which comes from Dr. BJ Fogg of Stanford University. BMAP is an acronym, and B stands for behavior, M stands for motivation, A for ability, and T for triggers. Behavior depends on motivation, ability, and the correct triggers to taking action. And so I'm going to walk through this process with you. I'm going to talk about the client lifespan from uh, before they start the gym, pre-gym, to the early uh, stages that they're in your gym, so the first 90 days, and then long-term retention. At Catalyst right now, our longest standing member has been with us for 14 years. You can imagine what the lifetime value of that client is. You can also imagine what the emotional value of that client is to me as a person and a friend. So the first thing I want to make sure that we understand is that the key to retention in your gym is not discounts. It's not even really novelty. It's changing behavior. When somebody's lifestyle includes coming to your gym four times a week, and you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. Now, it takes a long time to change a habit. It takes a longer time to change a behavior so that your gym is part of their daily process and stays that way long term. There's a reason that people don't do like a six-week toothbrushing challenge, and then after six weeks, they decide they're going to try something different, like, I'm just going to have all my teeth pulled and use Polydent instead. The reason is that we're taught to brush our teeth from the time that we have teeth, from two years old. We're taught how to do it. And then we're reinforced uh, that we should be brushing our teeth every single day. But still, when you're four and five years old, if you were left on your own for a week, you probably wouldn't have brushed your teeth. So even two years into that habit, into that behavior, it's not quite ingrained yet. Now as an adult, uh, you know you need to brush your teeth. And there are motivation reasons uh, that, that keep you brushing your teeth every single day. We want that to be true for your gym too. So the first thing that we're going to do as we go through the BMAP model Changing behavior by modifying motivation, appealing to ability, and then setting up triggers is break down motivation. Why do people exercise? There are really only three reasons that a person would want to come to your gym. The first is sensation. The second is anticipation. And the third is belonging. Let's break those down. Each one of those three motivators that are primary to us has kind of a light side and a dark side. The first, sensation, has a light side of pleasure and a dark side of pain. 
We're motivated to do things that give us a certain sensation or to do things that will help us avoid a different sensation. We're motivated to do things that will give us pleasure. We're motivated to avoid things that will give us pain. This is hardwired. So let's think about how your gym's message should appeal to somebody who's seeking pleasure but trying to avoid pain. Now, in 2007, the most common CrossFit pictures you would see on the internet were the ripped hands pictures. And for some crazy early adopters who are like less than 1% of the exercising population, that was motivating. They sought that kind of pain. They sought that kind of uh, rigor. They wanted to go through something and survive something. That audience is gone now. Uh, We all own gyms or we're doing something different now. The, the hard part about working with early adopters is that they quickly adopt something new all the time. They, they don't stay in one place very long. So if we're appealing to the sensation of pleasure, how can we frame our message to explain to people how working out will make them feel in a good way? It's not pictures of people folded up on the floor and ready to barf. It's not pictures of people dying or making sweat angels, you know, like we did in 2009. It's not the ripped hands. It's people hugging. It's people saying, I feel amazing. And I'll give you a little secret right now. We're doing some website testing. One of the headlines on the websites that we're testing for Catalyst is lose weight, look great, feel amazing. And it's that feel amazing tagline that helps people find or resonate with your message. They need to know how they're going to feel. The next motivator is anticipation. Anticipation has a light side and a dark side. The light side of anticipation is hope. The dark side is fear. Fear is actually used a lot in marketing. We've all heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. And so pretty often on Facebook or even on TV, you'll hear limited time offer. Get this before it's gone. Operators are standing by. There's only 21 copies left. The offer closes at midnight. It could also be even darker. If you don't take action right now, you are not going to live past the age of 30, okay? If you don't stop eating sugar right now, you are going to have a heart attack by the time you're 50. These are an anticipatory motivator, okay? And you can use fear. But you can also use hope. And you can bring hope into your message. For example, if you've tried everything else, try this. There is hope for you. You are enough. You can do it. Everybody struggles, but everybody eventually succeeds. You don't have to be perfect to win. Come back tomorrow. Keep a practice mindset. These messages of hope are what we need to be giving to our clients over and over and over again to build motivation. The third part of motivation is a sense of belonging. Now, to CrossFitters, we say, check that box. We've got this done. We know how to make people belong in our community. We have a community. Other businesses don't have that. But what we need to understand is that different people want different things from that community. You might feel like everybody in the community should come out once a month to a local neighborhood bar. But if I'm your client and I'm busy with my family and coaching kids or you know doing stuff with my wife, I don't really want to come out to the bar. I want to feel like I belong when I come in the door every day. 
I want to feel like I'm part of the group, part of the tribe. I'm going to wear the t-shirt. But if all the 20-somethings are going to the bar, I'm probably not going to join them. And that doesn't make me a worse client. So the key is always asking, what do you want now to your clients? And being really aware of how much community do people want. Now, community can motivate. It's a very small piece of the retention-changing, behavior-shaping process. It's not everything. So if we look at and give equal weight to all the different parts of behavior, okay, motivation, ability, and triggers, and we say that, okay, well, there are three parts to motivation, there are two parts to ability, and then there are three different triggers, that means that the sense of community is at best worth one-eighth of what it takes to change behavior. It's got to be there, but it's sure not everything. And so if you're giving away like a free trial because, oh, once I expose people to the community, they're going to sign up, you've got like a one in eight chance that that's going to be the thing that tips the scales, 12.5%. More than likely, it's one of these other things, okay? They, they don't know how they're going to feel or how your service is going to make them feel really good right away. They don't have a sense of anticipation or hope. They kind of feel like, wow, I can't do that or I'm hopeless, or I need to get in shape before I start CrossFit. And they need to know that they will be accepted for their faults. They will be accepted on day one. They will not be rejected. CrossFit, you know, partially thanks to the CrossFit Games, can be perceived as the cool kids club. Like the top 1% of exercisers do CrossFit. And that's what makes them 1%, the top 1%. But it also means... If you're in the 99%, you can't do CrossFit, so go try spin class. We need to say to people, here are examples of those in our community who come in and do CrossFit and are not elite athletes. So who does CrossFit? Dentists, sons, grandmothers, teachers, uh, people in wheelchairs, little brothers, little sisters. We need to show examples of that. The CrossFit is for everyday people. And we also need to tell the story of acceptance. Hey, my first day at Catalyst, I was so scared, but Chris greeted me at the door. We walked into the gym together. He introduced me to everyone, and they all shook my hand before we did anything else. That is amazing. Going as far as you can with acceptance means meeting people at the door. It doesn't mean waiting for them to come in for a free trial, saying their name in front of the group, and everybody says, welcome, Chris. We can go a lot further than that. And part of that acceptance means a one-on-one discussion before any exercise happens. There has to be a consultative process. I'll be coming back to that. So as a recap, motivation, the first part of the the BMAT uh, behavioral change model, motivation has three parts, sensation, anticipation, and belonging. I want to add one more thing here, and that is that before motivation can happen, in any real sense, in any long-term behavior-changing sense, we have to have success first, meaning the client has to know that they're going to be good at this. They have to feel like, I do belong here. There's that belonging. They have to feel like, I do feel good after I work out. There's that sensation. And then they have to feel like, I can do this. I can succeed at this. And so when we're changing behaviors in the gym, and we know that success precedes motivation, we know that it's super, super important for a client to find an early win. As I wrote in the original Two Brain Business book, we want a client to find a bright spot on that first day 
because that will anchor their feeling of success, which will motivate them to come back the second day. If we say to a client on day one, you're really good at skipping. Then if they're skipping in the workout tomorrow, there's a great chance that client will show up because, hey, that's that thing that I'm good at. When we're working with people who are on the autism spectrum, we start with an exploration phase. We let them uh, play around in the gym, try maybe 20 things and figure out what they like first. Because if you have autism, you are going to really struggle to change your behaviors because it's going to be a little bit harder to motivate you. We can apply that same concept to the general population. By working with the extremes, I've been able to see, here's what makes people feel successful. And so the exploration phase happens to you and me, even if we're not on the autism spectrum, every time we start a new activity. We go through this exploration phase and we're looking for something that we can be good at. Okay? For example... If I walk into my father-in-law's workshop and there are five guys sitting around talking cars, I'm going to look for a common denominator, some part of a car that I know something about or how else can I fit into this conversation? I'm going to add something. What could it be? My brain will scramble to find that thing that makes me fit into the group. Well, we teach physical literacy in our gyms. And so we need to find something that people are physically capable of so they feel like they can fit in. They feel like they can belong. They can earn something, some recognition, a bright spot, a badge, before they really move on to the bigger thing. We want them to have early success. Back in 2009, somebody said, Chris, you should join Facebook. And I said, meh, I'm not really interested in that. And then I got an email from Facebook saying, hey, here are five of your friends who are on Facebook. And then I got another email saying, hey, Robin Cooper wants you to join Facebook. Click here. They weren't saying, you should sign up for Facebook. You'll find all these new friends. You'll share all these pictures. It'll be fun. You'll become addicted within six months. They gave me one tiny step that I could be successful at. Click here. Boom. I clicked there. Now that I'm on Facebook, it says, here are five people we think you know. Click this box. It makes the next step very, very simple. And I'm going to be talking more about this in the next section, which is ability. So again, changing behavior relies on three things, motivation, ability, and triggers. Motivation has three parts, which is sensation, anticipation, and belonging. The next part of behavioral change is ability. Teaching people how to be successful at what you're selling. This is mostly a coach's job. And if you're listening to this and you're a CrossFit coach, you're going to say, check, I got this part. This is what I do all day. I teach ability. But the way that we teach ability is super, super important too. And so a lot of the stuff that we teach in UpCoach, I'm going to bring into the conversation right now. Because the way that we teach people to be successful matters more than what we actually teach them. We can bury them in our encyclopedic knowledge of the air squat. We can talk about vagus and valgus. We can talk about doing squat therapy. We can get all fired up by the stuff we learned at the level one, and we can say hips back, and we can talk about butt wink, and we can talk about ankle flexibility, and nobody cares about any of that. What they care about is, hey, if you can squat down, you can get up off the toilet easier, okay? What they care about is anybody can learn to squat in two simple steps. First, you bend your knees, and then you stick your bum back like you're trying to reach the toilet. So the key to teaching ability 
is that we can make a behavior simple to do. We want people to feel like, hey, yeah, I can, I can do this going to the gym four times a week. Uh, it's simple because all I have to do is this. All I have to do to get to the gym four times a week is pack a bag uh, the night before. All I have to do to get to the gym four times a week is just drive there. I have to leave at 10 minutes to 12 and I'll get there at 11.59 and then the coach will tell me exactly what to do. I'll shower and I'll be back to work and it took me 90 minutes. Our job as business owners who need to sell their service is to make our service easy to do. That doesn't mean the workouts have to be easy. It doesn't mean that we can't add layers of complexity as we go. But we have to make it clear to people that it is simpler to do CrossFit than it is to go to the Globo Gym. It might not be cheaper, but I'm going to talk about limiting factors as part of ability in a moment. To go to the Globo Gym requires you still have to get in your car. You still have to drive across town. When you get there, you have to figure out what you're going to do. So you're going to look through a magazine and try and find a program. Or you're going to copy what somebody else is doing who's probably doing it wrong, so you're going to waste time. You're going to work out for the same amount of time or more because to get the same benefits, you're going to have to go twice as long on the treadmill and do strength training after that. Then you're going to have the same drive back. But it's easier and simpler to just just do CrossFit. You throw your stuff in the bag the night before. You drive to class. You don't think. You do the most effective and efficient form of exercise on the planet so that you're done as fast as possible. At the end of the hour, you pack your bag up and you go home. If you can't even stay for the full hour, that's okay. Be on time. Start with us. Do the strength training. We'll cut down the AMRAP. We'll have you out of here at 1245. You'll be back to work by 1. You can't even show up on time. That's all right. Get here by 1210. I will give you a warm-up to do beside the group. You'll skip the strength portion. You'll jump in on the Metcon. You'll leave at 1245. You'll get back to work, and you'll have done way more than if you had spent two hours on the elliptical trainer. Way more. The key here is making our service simple. One of the things that we teach in the incubator program is the two clicks to book method. On your website, people don't need to read the About Us. They don't need to read about how your grandfather founded the company in 1966 and and fought the Germans and then came home to pursue his true passion of opening up a CrossFit gym, but it wasn't called CrossFit. It was called Uncle Henry's Old-Time Strength and Conditioning, and then you found CrossFit, blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares about that. They need to be able to find a very simple path to booking the first step to taking that first step. Maybe that first step isn't even a consultation. Maybe it's not even coming through your door. Maybe that first step is taking a survey. Maybe the first step is taking a quiz. Maybe it's downloading your free guide. Maybe it's see which of your friends attend Catalyst right now. Some very simple first step that's very clear on your website and they have one option and that is it. I don't want them to go browsing through your calendar, to go browsing through your price list, to try and figure it all out. So they've got some graph paper and they're, they're doing all these graphs and stuff like, okay, if I go at 7 a.m., it's, it's $12.70 a visit. And if I go at 5 p.m., it's $11.47. No, I don't want them doing any of that. I want a clear message. If you come here, you're going to look great. You're going to lose weight. You're going to feel amazing. Click here to get started. They take one very simple action. Their behavior is going from inactive 
totally passive, browsing the internet on their lunch break, to taking action, coming to the gym, trying a workout, we need them to take a very small first step. Now, if I meet somebody in person, which by the way, most new Catalyst clients come from an in-person meeting before they're even on my website, then I need to leave that first discussion with a very clear action step for the client. I can't just give them my business card. I can't just say, check us out online or listen to our radio ads or win a free blah, 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 blah. I need to say, I'll call you tomorrow. I need to say, shoot me a text at 2 p.m. after this game. I should even take that conversation out of their hands by saying, I'll shoot you a link to book a consultation with me. Or I can say, hey, ask your friends. I'm sure you'll find five of them who already come to my gym. Or I could say, you know what? I'm going to shoot you an article about what you just brought up so that you can read a little bit more and then follow up with them the next day. What I used to do all the time was just barf knowledge all over them. The reason that I couldn't sell CrossFit was the same reason I could never sell treadmills. I would give all the specs. Well, CrossFit is functional, uh, constantly varied, functional, high-intensity, threshold, um, compound, core to extremity. People don't care about that. What I should have said was, come in for a coffee and we'll talk about it. When I'm meeting new businesses, I don't need to go into the business with a pitch to do corporate wellness training. What I need to do is take a coffee and say, hey, how's business? I'll call you tomorrow. One simple step. So a big part of behavior is giving people the ability to do your thing, to succeed. And that means one simple step at a time. It doesn't mean sign up for OnRamp, I'm going to teach you how to snatch. It means sign up for OnRamp. We're going to go step by step through everything you need, and I'm going to be your guide. Behavior is also simpler to do if somebody has a guide, a Sherpa, a mentor. So instead of an About Us page on your website or talking all about CrossFit, what we need to do is let the client be the hero of their story and you be the guide. If you listen to the Story Brand podcast at all, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. The client is the hero of their own story, and you are the guide. I'm repeating myself here because it's so important. The next thing we need to know about ability is that your ability is limited by your scarcest resource. Now, for most people coming to a CrossFit gym, if you've done a good job of targeting the right people, their their limited resource, their scarcest resource, is probably not money. It's probably time. Really, people who can afford to pay $200, $250 for a gym membership instead of that $19.95 membership at the Globo Gym down the street, they might still choose the Globo Gym because it's convenient, because it's open 24 hours a day. What these people need to understand is that they'll save a ton of time by doing CrossFit. You know, you can be available for your daughter's choir practice at 5 p.m. if you come to CrossFit at 6 a.m. Let me help you take the first step. If you come to our CrossFit class at noon and you can't be here till 1210, that's okay. I'm going to give you a warm-up that you can do. You'll skip the strength work and then you'll join us for the metabolic conditioning part. We need to appeal to people's most limited resource and show them how to overcome that problem. Now, if their most limited resource is money, 
then we're probably not going to help them overcome that problem with CrossFit. But they're, by definition, not our ideal audience, not our seed clients. Their scarcest resource, if it's time or focus or attention, if they're just too distracted to figure out what to do or they don't have the knowledge, we can fix that. And so we empower them. We change their behavior gradually by giving them these little pieces that will make them successful. Dear Chris, the first step in growing your business is to sign up for the incubator. The first step in growing your business is to book a free call with me. And then I'll tell you the second step on that free call. And when people sign up for our business incubator program, we'll say, the first thing we want you to do is this, write down your perfect day and here's how to do it. And then their guide will come back and their guide will say, step two is this. And we teach step two because it's step two, not because it's step five. And then we teach step three and then we teach step four. And the mentor is your guide the whole time. We can do the same thing in our gym. When a client comes in on day one and we say, you can do it. Step one is this. I'm going to teach you how to do a lunge. And then we're going to practice holding a plank. And then we're going to do these things together, step by step. Tomorrow, I'll add something brand new and I'll tell you all about it then. Okay. That's ability. So the the behavioral uh, model, how to change behavior, is motivation, ability, and then triggers. Triggers. <clears throat> different people need different triggers to take action. Okay, so they're going to need three different personas from you, the coach, to uh, maximize their their workout experience. They're going to also need different personas from you, the business owner, to get them to sign up. And the key is knowing which person needs which persona of you. Okay, so imagine that you're going on stage and you're going to play three different characters in the same play, but there's only one person in the audience. You just don't know very much about them yet. Here are the three characters that you're going to play. And then I'm going to tell you how to figure out which character you need to play with which person. The first character is the facilitator. So these are people, uh, clients coming in the door, they have very high motivation, but they have very low ability. They're really, really excited about CrossFit, but they don't know how to do it. They're excited to get going. They're excited to share this with their friend, whatever. I've got a new client coming in um, to Catalyst this week. He is fired up to get going. He's never done it before. He's open to learning. That's great. The second character we need to play is the signal. So these are people with high motivation and high ability. To them, all we have to do is like flash the bat signal in the sky saying, this is CrossFit over here, and they'll be in. Now, these were the early adopters. These were like the uh, early majority even, guys like me. They were attracted to the challenge and the complexity and the novelty of CrossFit. Most of those people are gone now. The third trigger that you'll have to be, the third character you'll have to play is the spark. And these are for people with low motivation but high ability. So maybe former athletes, people who were good movers in the past, or they've even been great CrossFitters in the past and they fell off. This is the hardest audience to motivate. Um, because once you've been to a certain high point, if you back off, it's actually harder to get going again. So somebody loses 300 pounds. Good for them, man. That's amazing. And then they fall off the exercise wagon. They start regaining that weight. And they look at what it took to lose that original 300 pounds and they say, no, I'm not ready to make that big of a commitment again. That's a a totally different lifestyle. 
it's harder for them to get back on the bus than it was in the first place. Because when they started doing CrossFit and, and fixing their nutrition, they probably did it in baby steps. And now that they've been through it, they say, well, I've got to readopt all of those behaviors all over again, all those habits. Uh, I used to have a triathlete as a client and she was headed to the world championships. Then she got injured and then she started training with me and she completely lost motivation to train because she had fallen so far back and she knew what it would take to get her up over that mountain. That she wasn't just looking at what's step one, what's step two. She was looking at what's step a thousand and how hard is step number 999 going to be again. So this spark client is a difficult one. Uh, it's probably the most difficult client that you'll coach is, is people who have been active in the past, have become sedentary, and now they want to get back on the horse. So here's how to motivate people as the facilitator, as the signal, and as the spark. So the first is people with high motivation and low ability. This is actually the easiest audience to work with because our only job is to keep them motivated by giving them challenges that are challenging enough to keep their attention, but simple enough that they can be successful. And it's finding that balance. So for example, when somebody comes in the first day, I'm probably going to teach them like a plank and a lunge, depending on who they are. These are something that almost anybody can do. You know, you don't have to go right to the ground with your lunge. You don't have to hold a perfect plank to be successful at the plank because I want them to feel like, wow, that was tough, but I can do it. That's key. A big mistake that I used to use at intake was functional movement screen. So everybody would come in, they'd go through functional movement screen. I would say, okay, here are three problems with you and I'm going to fix them. But what people are hearing is, here are three things you can't do. And then go away thinking, I can't do CrossFit because I can't hold this PVC over my head and balance on a two by four and touch my knee to the ground. It's really important that people find that early success again. It's also really important that you keep that motivation high. In the beginning, people are attracted to novelty. They want to do a different workout every day with CrossFit. And so we need to do that, but they're also new. They don't have the ability to work out every single day. Hell, I don't have that ability. So what we're going to do is give them something every single day, but it's not always going to be exercise. They might get a task instead, like clean out your fridge. The way that I deliver this is something that we teach in the incubator and I don't disclose publicly. Um, emails are okay. You know, they're a lot better than nothing. They're a lot better than anything that people were doing two years ago. There is an even better way and um, it includes rewards like bright spots. Uh, we call it something else now and it also includes a lot of education. If somebody uh, needs you to be their signal, meaning they have a high motivation and a high ability, then all you really have to do is find these people. Okay, so what else are they doing? Well, they're probably doing other fringe sports. They're probably rock climbing, for example. And you need to make a partnership with the rock climbing gym to get you in front of that audience to say, let's try CrossFit. You need to get into jujitsu yourself so that you can meet people and say, come back and now you try my thing. Okay, so this is a slightly tougher audience to get into, um, but you want to look at your own personal connections first. If you're a fireman, you want to get other firemen into your gym. Um, and the way that you're going to do that is you're going to be the signal, like, here's what I do. Do you want to come with me? When you need to be the spark for people, uh, so these are people with low motivation and high ability, these are folks 
uh, again, who like probably fell off. And this is probably the toughest client to motivate. The key here is going to be novelty, approaching a situation from an angle they've never come before. So for example, if a long distance runner reaches a certain high peak and then they get injured and they fall backward, the best way to get them back into running is to start in the pool. Not running in the pool, swimming, finding a brand new sport, new activity, get them passionate about that. Um, One of our long-term clients was a very uh, high-level runner who got completely burnt out. She had, you know, all kinds of disorders from running, and she started weightlifting. For three years, she wouldn't even run at all, even in the wads. Um, Now she's weightlifting, she's swimming, and she's running again. It took her a long time to get back to that, that spot where she was comfortable doing the thing. So when you're the spark, the key is to know what's going to get a person moving again. Now, if I had a client who had done CrossFit maybe three years ago, and um, they haven't come back, okay, they, they did it three years ago, they didn't like it, they haven't come back, I'm probably not going to go right to them with CrossFit. I'm probably going to go to them with something else, a weightlifting program, uh, a kettlebell-specific program, and bring them back in that way. And then I'm going to say, well, let's talk about our ID program and let's, let's mix elements of the barbell and stuff like that in, but really be focused on the kettlebell. Um, if somebody has struggled to lose weight for a long time, but they've done CrossFit before, we're going to start with a nutrition plan and build that habit first. So again, the, the key, if you have to be the spark for the client to get them going, is novelty. Come in from a different angle. The key, if you have to be the signal, is to participate in their activities and recruit them. The key, if you have to be a facilitator for people with high motivation but low ability, is to drip feed um, knowledge while they slowly buy in while you're keeping motivation high. So you're using novelty there too. Um, I've said a lot about novelty here. And it, it's kind of an automatic thing with CrossFit. CrossFit is a different workout every day. But what you need to know in other services is that this novelty factor doesn't exist on its own. It doesn't come naturally to dentists. It doesn't come naturally to Uber drivers. They don't take a different route every day. It doesn't come naturally to hairdressers because they only see you once a month and you're always getting the same hairdo or whatever. The key to changing our behavior, again, following the BMAT model, is motivation, teaching people uh, how to start taking action, using the three factors for motivation, its ability, giving people an appropriate challenge that's not too easy, but it's achievable, and then finding the right trigger for people. The other key factor that I want you to keep in mind is that success precedes motivation. So for any athlete, it's really important to make sure that they are successful on day one because that will make them motivated long term. What is the key to retention? The key to retention is showing people what the next step is, the next achievable step, making a clear plan to get there, rewarding them when they do get there, and then immediately showing them what the next step is. Showing them that next step usually starts with the question, what do you want now? My question to you, and I guess this is kind of my challenge, is if you're running a gym where your entry point is a free trial class, how are you addressing motivation? How are you talking about or demonstrating ability? And how are you being the trigger? All you're doing is just basically bringing people in and letting them try to self-motivate, self-assess for ability, and then become their own trigger. 
this doesn't work. If people are highly motivated, if they're an early adopter and they're jumping around trying different things, or if their limiting factor is price, then the free trial might work. But that's a very transient audience. They're not going to change their behavior to come to your gym forever. If somebody has to be brought into your gym step by step, here, take this quiz to see how fit you are. Then come in and do a free consultation where we're going to put you on the in-body. We're going to measure something about you. Then I want you to try a little workout. Oh, you're successful. Here's a bright spot, a reward, a certificate, a badge. Then it's, here's some education. Then it's, here's a slightly tougher workout, but you can do it. Then it's, here's a reward again. That's how you keep people long-term. That can only be done through a prescriptive model with a consultative process where you're meeting the client all the time. If the client has to change their behavior based on their own motivations, their own perceived abilities, and their own triggers, it's not going to happen. Think about how often you forget to change your oil or how long you go between dental visits if you don't have those appointment reminders. Think about how long you go without getting like a blood test at the doctor because you don't have an appointment reminder. You're not self-motivated to do it. You don't feel like you have the ability to leave work in the middle of the day, time is your limiting factor, and go sit around in the doctor's office for four hours to give blood. So you don't do it. Even though the trigger, you're a highly motivated healthcare professional, the trigger is there. It's not enough to change your behavior to have regular doctor visits. So the key to us who are in this for-profit, we're running businesses here, is to get super, super good at behavioral modification because that is retention.